0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal, and every week myself and my co-host, Dr. Mike, come to you with all the information that you need so that you can advocate for yourself and for your family and uh, be able to understand what's happening in healthcare. We talk about the issues that doctors discuss among themselves in doctors' lounges all around the country. And we try to inform you and uh, educate you so that you can be a uh, educated consumer and an educated advocate so that you can go and do what is necessary and be a part of what is needed to make a difference for your healthcare and for the healthcare of your family. Um, the uh, show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician led healthcare think tank in the country. Um, our uh, website is wwwd the number 4 PC foundation, um, at, uh, dot org. d4pcfoundation.org. I encourage you to go to our website, look through there, you'll find things that you probably did not know already and uh, this is very important so we need you to uh, really start to uh, become more active if you've not already been and um, help support the docs for patient care foundation no amount is too small or too large Um, we need your help so that we can continue to bring you this show and do all the work that we do on a regular basis Um, so, part of the work that we do is trying to uh, uh, really bring uh, doctors together and to uh, and to uh, try to make a difference in the public square so that we can uh, uh, influence people in Washington and try to um, get them to do the right thing, which most of the time they do not do and uh, My guest today is a uh, very very good friend of mine, somebody who was in the healthcare fight from uh, right after i got into it which was um over a decade ago and uh, he has remained engaged and we uh, have uh, done things together over the years and we're reconnecting now on a uh, new project which i think is uh, really um, almost in in my opinion, a life-and-death situation right now f- with regard to health care, um, and we'll uh, hear all about it from my uh, good friend and guest, Dr. Scott Barber, orthopedic surgeon and the founder of Barber Orthopedics. Scott, welcome into the doctor's lounge.
2: Thanks for having me, House. good to see you again. It's been a long time since uh, we've been uh, on the microphone together. Oh, way too long. Yeah way too long.
1: So so um Scott and I just got back from uh, Washington DC and um there is um going to be a lot of work that is going to happen in this uh coming year where we're we're now getting into the election season. We've heard democratic debates, we've listened to what they have to say and uh um things are heating up but healthcare has always been, if not the number one issue, the number two issue, but it's a very important issue in uh, in deciding every election, either in a presidential election or off-cycle election, since 2008. And this year, it's no different. And so... Um, the we we as as uh, doctors and as healthcare policy people and advocates for our patients have made assumptions about what um, we think as conservatives what people want the the Democrats have uh, other assumptions which are nece- not necessarily based on what patients want but what on what they want um, to to uh, give to patients but. But, um, Scott, you've, you've um, uh, been involved in an effort to try to get
2: uh, to the root of the problem. So why don't you tell people about this? Yeah, well, listen, uh, you and I met uh, probably a decade and a half ago. Uh, we were giving a talk somewhere um, on, on health care. And I remember at the end of the talk, you just grabbed me by the arm sleeve and said, you're with me. And we've been kind of fighting this uh, for a long time. And I think, uh, you know, over a decade ago, we went up to Washington naively believing that if we simply took our experiences as physicians and what we know to work and what we know not to work, that people would listen to us and enact uh, legislation that would improve the uh, delivery of health care. And unfortunately, what we've seen is that the information has come from think tanks and people who think theor- theoretically, and we haven't got any meaningful reform, and we would argue that since we went up a decade and a half ago, uh, things are even worse today and on the precipice of being irreparable. Um, everything from the training of physicians to the uh, the practice of medicine uh, has been negatively affected, and so what we've done um, is what, uh, what people need to do when you see a problem. Don't wait for somebody else to take care of it. You need to take care of it yourself. And, you know, here we are, both you and I, uh, more than a, a decade and a half more experience in healthcare. Uh, both of us, uh, run big medical practices, uh, and have been in this game for a long time. So we know what works and what doesn't work. But what we did was, uh, we got together with a bunch of physicians and physician groups. And did uh, some research, and this included input from doctors, from job creators, people who are running businesses, and the, the job creators network. The job creators network, and then actually got down to patients and asked them, "What is it you want, desire, and need in your healthcare?" And through uh, very intensive research, we found um, the the elements of an effective healthcare program that patients wanted we filtered that through doctors who talked about the practicality of being able to deliver those things uh, as well as job creators and we put together a healthcare program that is going to be effective we know that it's effective we our, our research covered people across the political s- spectrum so republicans democrats independents People like our plan, and because this plan was put together by doctors with input from job creators and from patients, the politicians are listening and for the first time uh, in many many years, I'm very optimistic about our opportunity to actually enact meaningful reform that's going to help you and help me deliver uh, affordable quality health care to our patients with with the most possible choices
1: so so um the, before being able to enact the um, reforms that are necessary, um, it's important to understand what it is that, that uh, people want. And, and, uh, and I think it's, it's uh, something that you've um, been able to identify from
2: your research, isn't it? Absolutely, You know, the number one thing that people want out of their health care is they want personalized health care. They don't want a one size fits all top down model. They do not want bureaucrats between them and their doctors. They want decision making power to be between them and their doctors. And as you and I uh, both know, uh, there is no one one size fits all. Uh, silver bullet to healthcare patients are all very individual people they have unique uh, wants needs and desires their their medicine um, is 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 differentiated and it's it takes an experienced doctor with intimate knowledge of that patient and an intimate relationship to be able to offer them uh, the the most possible choices and the other thing is too and you know this as well as I do I always tell my my students that uh, I'm 30 years ahead of anything you're going to see. In a textbook. It's just the nature of medicine. I learn things by practicing and by doing. I learn by seeing what works and what doesn't work. In many cases, I can't even explain it to somebody else because I'm not even sure about what I'm talking about in my own head. It's just, it's kind of like we always use this expression. I can't describe to you a pretty girl, but I know it when I see it. Well, medicine is like that. And this is why they call it the art of medicine. It takes time to learn this stuff. And when you have bureaucrats, Having an increasing presence in the exam room, they're they're destroying this doctor-patient relationship and removing this intimacy. And as a result, we get horrible, horrible health care.
1: Okay, so I'm going to be somewhat, somewhat uh, um, dense and and be an interviewer and ask you the questions that that uh, somebody who is not experienced in health care might ask you in an interview. So, so, um, Scott, you know, isn't it, isn't it true that, you know, if, if you have insurance that you've got, you know, we, we the problem is that, that there are people who just don't have insurance
2: so they can't get health care. Well, listen, in the United States, everybody gets care in an emergency room, regardless of their ability to pay. Um, we have many many uh, safety nets in this country to uh, provide people with with health care uh, Medicaid uh, takes care of the poor we got s chip for the young we got Medicare for the old uh, and you have doctors on the front lines who simply take care of people when they come across them I do it you do it this is this is how it's done you know the vast majority of doctors got into medicine because they had a desire to help people as 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 a foundation of why you get into this very long arduous journey to become a doctor and then what we get what we find when we get out into real practice is there are actual obstructions to being able to deliver that care and it's frustrating and what we need to do is provide care to patients and there are uh, really two fundamental ways to be able to do that we can have a top-down government run Uh, Healthcare program that, you know, right now is being touted as Medicare for all, or we can have a free market system. And everywhere we look at government control, we see abject failure. Whether it's the British health system that has 250,000 people waiting greater than six months to get medical care, whether it's Canada where uh, 40,000 people a year leave the country because they can't get the healthcare they need in Canada, we saw you know, over a decade ago, the premier of Newfoundland got his heart surgery in Miami right as he was espousing the, the virtues of government run socialized medicine, proving that the elites, they don't want to use the socialized medicine. They want to have their own personalized care. Um, <clears throat> we recently saw the government of Finland that actually collapsed in large part due to their commitments to their socialized medicine program. Um, In our own country, we have the Veterans Administration, which is 100%. So you
1: love the Veterans Administration?
2: I, I, I love veterans. My father is a veteran. He's buried with full military honors in Arlington Cemetery. And there's nothing I would rather do than take care of veterans, which is why I hate the VA so much, because it is absolutely draconian. And it's a, it's a disservice, and uh, it's a disgrace how we treat our veterans at the Veterans Administration. And it is the uh, perfect example of why we do not want government-run health care.
1: Well, you know, shouldn't we give the government another chance, because now they know how to how, what the mistakes
2: are from the VA system? Well, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. There's not one place you can point to me where socialized medicine is effective. You can't even point to a place where it's not an abject failure. So why don't we go in a direction that we know works, meaning let's talk to doctors, let's talk to patients, and let's actually look at some real-world examples where – uh, free markets are effective we can look at LASIK surgery you know when that first came out and it was a new technology it was expensive as new things most mostly are but a free market helped create a, a situation where we have the ability to get LASIK on almost every street corner and most people can afford it and the quality is fantastic people get LASIK they're 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 not out of work or out of their lives for very long um, we look at plastic surgery the options are endless and the procedures are affordable. Now, listen: there are always going to be vulnerable people, and as physicians, um, you know, we, we want to make sure that the vulnerable people are taken care of. And so, our position um, or our 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 health care reform plan, first and foremost, takes care of people with pre existing condition. And what we do is we pull and, them out and, of the insurance and, and market. Let me just
1: stop you right there, and we're at a hard break. But I, I want you, I want you to, I just want to bring you back. Because what we're talking about and what this effort is isn't really necessarily a plan, right? It's a framework by which um, we're going to explain to the American public what is possible if they they really demand and and hold their legislators' feet to the fire because what they're being told about the choices, which is the status quo – or the, what they're trying to sell the American public is a, a, an outright lie. So we're going to go ahead and develop that when we get back in the next segment. So stay with us.
4: Thank you.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank
1: you for listening. We're back in the doctor's lounge. My guest is Dr. Scott Barber. Today we are discussing um, the effort that um, Scott and I are part of, which is to uh, try and um, message to the American public what um is possible in healthcare based on research that Scott was involved in um, in uh, uh, accumulating that asked the american public what they wanted from healthcare and uh we uh know that people want uh se- several several things they want they want to be able to pick their doctor they want to be able to um, decide where they're going to get their health care they want to be able to decide what health care they're going to get they don't want to be told that they're going to have to wait six months for an MRI scan and and they want to know how much health care is going to cost them they don't want uh, to pay for things that uh, that they don't have to pay for so so um, how um, how do we uh, how do we go from here f- with with that basic information?
2: Yeah, you know, one of the major uh, aspects of this reform plan that we discovered is patients are very uh, adamant about wanting to only pay for the health care that they use. And right now with this third-party payer system, our premiums and duct- deductibles are so high, uh, and it's frustrating because there's no price tra- transparency. You don't really know what exactly you're paying for in a lot of situations. The patient doesn't even really have a say in what they're spending, and it's really gotten out of hand. And I'll I'll, I'll just share an anecdote. My mother uh, is is in her upper seventies. She fell down the stairs uh, several months ago, and my brother called me and uh, said, "You know, Mom's not right. She just something about her's not right." And I was concerned about her having an underlying infection or something like that. I had her go to the emergency room. I had my brother take her to the emergency room, and I said, listen, they're going to run all sorts of tests, but I need you to get these specific x-rays and these specific labs. And um – my brother took her and he, he called me back and he said, What was all that? They did all this neuropsych testing and you know, trying to get her testing for nursing home placement and we're not even planning on doing that. And I told them the problem is is that she has Medicare and when she hits that facility, the facility knows the money that they can extract from that plan. And so they run that bill up. They, they run every test possible. They churned her. They churned her. And the the care of the patient is almost an afterthought. I always joke about it. they run every test that they're allowed to under the medicare regulations and it's not just medicare i mean they all do this uh, and then at, at the last minute they look to the patient and go by the way what were you here for again It almost gets lost not almost this is not not hyperbole i mean it does happen where a patient will show up and they do all this stuff and they actually never even address the problem that the patient came to to seek medical treatment for so these are the things that we have to do to get doctors back on track having their fidelity be to the patients. I mean for the first time uh, in uh, ever we have more doctors that are employed by hospitals than actually have their own private practice. 65%. And this employment arrangement creates perverse relationships where Uh, For example, if a doctor discharges a patient and that patient is readmitted to the hospital within 30 days, that's considered a knock against that doctor. And they take measures to decrease that doctor's reimbursement. And you're almost incentivizing a doctor to mistreat a patient in order to preserve Uh, his own ability to make a living. By
1: mistreat, you mean not admit a patient to the hospital (laughs) when they need to be admitted.
2: Exactly, and as you and I know, people get admitted to the hospital within 30 days that have absolutely nothing to do with the quality of the care of the doctor or anything that the patient did. It just happens. And
1: conversely, they're also incentivized to get people out of the hospital sooner than they need to be discharged from the hospital.
2: Yes, it, and you and I both know that this is almost the first thought on the mind of uh, physicians when they're, when they're admitting patients is, how do I get them out? And it also incentivizes physicians to avoid these complicated patients because they don't want to have exactly. them on their record. So
1: what happens, Scott, when you admit a patient to the hospital, almost almost within hours of admission, you get somebody, some bureaucrat from the hospital talking to you about discharge planning even before you've done your operation
2: yeah oftentimes even before i know what's going on and right. they're asking me already i need you to document 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 and you know for guys uh, our age you know i remember a time when that wasn't the case i was as the trained physician i was making the decisions and now increasingly over the last couple decades we have you know hospital administrators, bureaucrats, coming down and, and making demands of us that have no foundation in solid quality medical treatment. Okay,
1: so that's a great segue into how we got to where we are right now, because I think that to know where we're going, we need to know how we got there. And I, I whenever I give a lecture to people, I love using this slide about the growth of hospital administrators versus the growth of doctors over the last um, 40 years. There are two diverging lines on a graph where the, the growth of doctors has stayed flat and has only increased... Um, by, by, um, a hundred percent. So it's gone from like, um, like, uh, eight hundred th- or four hundred thousand doctors to eight hundred thousand doctors. But the growth of hospital administrators has gone up three thousand percent. And so we're creating, we've, what, what has happened is the creation of a enormous medical complex you talk about the government industrial complex what we have is a cartel or the or the the healthcare complex which is hospitals insurance companies big pharma and the government go yeah
2: absolutely and listen there's big money to be made in medicine Uh, The problem is it's being done at the expense of doctors and their patients, and it's what we we refer to as big medicine, Uh, and this has been occurring slowly over time, uh, but whether It's the government or an insurance company or a hospital system. Wherever you have a third-party payer system, you incentivize fraud, and you also incentivize fleecing of the patient because the patients have no idea what they're paying for or what they're getting. It sort of happens out of their hands, and this is done intentionally. If I was to uh, give you a, a, a bottle of water and tell you this bottle of water is $500, you'd look at me like I'm crazy and say, you know what, I'll skip the water. You are paying $500 for that bottle of water when you go to the hospital they just bury it in your premiums and deductibles and they spread it out so that you can't see it. And it's worse than
1: that, right? You say, "You know what, I'd like a bottle of water." And you get the bottle of water and you say, yep. "Oh, by the way, how much is that bottle of water?" "Oh, $5,000." Yes. It's it's like the it's it, it's absurd. It's the only thing, the only transaction or the only interaction that occurs in the history of the planet where
2: you don't know how much it costs before you use it right and you know listen there are other factors that i'm learning still i've been in medicine uh you know maybe not as long as you but i've been practicing for 20 years i've been in medicine for 30 uh and i'm still learning things for example i recently uh just got my own surgery center so now i have to buy everything that is used and i look at uh, how I run that place a lot differently than when I used to be a customer at a hospital. Uh, you know, you go into the hospital and, you know, you have no concern for the uh, the consuming of products and, and services in there. Um, you know, everything is Rolls Royce. Uh, waste is not an issue. But now that's part of my bottom line. And so it affects the way that I deal. Now, listen, my place is called Barber Orthopedics. It's got my name on it, so every person that leaves there has to love their experience. And I bend over backwards to make sure that that happens. But it gives me a lot better perspective to think about and talk about how do we control costs in healthcare. We need to make uh, doctors and patients become consumers again, so that they shop for the best products. They that will create incentivize. Uh, competition, which will bring costs down. There's only two ways to, to control costs, either a free market competitive marketplace or rationing from a government board. And we know the rationing from, from a government entity is draconian mm-hmm. right? and we, uh, we correctly refer to them as death panels because that's what they are. Uh, now in this in this free market system, what happens is we are all competing to deliver the best possible care with the most choices at the lowest price and and the the uh, patient's benefit
1: so there you know the, one of the one of the big arguments about health care is that health care is so expensive it is it, it costs so much money. How can people possibly um, do without insurance to go ahead and
2: and uh, make up the difference for how expensive health care is well listen insurance has a role uh, but we don't use insurance the way it was intended to be used people get their insurance and think because i have my insurance i no longer have to pay for anything insurance is designed for that catastrophic catastrophic event you get cancer uh you uh you get hit by a car uh, you have some disease that's 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 uh you know going to have significant costs regarding its diagnosis and treatment that's what the insurance is for we go into a pool and we're all putting our money in and we're betting that we're the one who gets that that problem but if we lose the bet but win in life we don't have a medical problem that money goes away what we're trying to do is allow people to have insurance even in many cases they're talking about with uh, the ACA buying your insurance after you already get sick that doesn't work as a as a uh, insurance policy so our plan does not eliminate in in insurance companies, but what we need to do is get the everyday uh, services uh, and goods to be uh, paid for. So put insurance
1: back in its proper role, which is not to be a prepaid health plan, which people have been conditioned is the way it is. And instead, to put health care back into the hands of people and reconnect them with their doctors and have that transaction be something that they're responsible for. And once you do that, then healthcare care actually is not as expensive as people think. And we're going to develop that thought in the next segment. So please stay with us.
4: Thank you.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're back in
1: the doctor's lounge. Um, Today we are talking about a uh, very exciting plan to educate the American public about a framework that has been created um, with the help of doctors Um, and business people to try to explain that what they're hearing from people on the Democrat side, which is only one message, that the government is um, the only way that we can fix the health care mess, that that is just a flat-out lie. And, um, Scott, what you know, I think that we... um, we've we've uh, talked about the importance of doctors and the doctor patient relationship and why it's so important you and I have been talking about this for over a decade why people like us who not only are taking care of patients, but who have really tried to study policy and understand um, what is going into healthcare, why it's so important for those who actually make legislation to listen to us. Why is it important for us to be working with the Job Creators Network?
2: Well, listen, the only people who really understand how to fix health care are the people who have to administer health care on a daily basis. We see what the problems are. We see what, what patients need. We see what they want. Uh, and we see how it's delivered. So we have an idea of what works and what doesn't work. Um, my insurance companies right now, for example, um, they are wanting to slow down payment. So they put up uh, barriers to us delivering care. So if I uh, see a patient in my office, a very common first-line treatment for a lot of uh, injury is a steroid shot. So we give a steroid shot in the knee, and the shoulder, pretty much anywhere. Now I can't just give that steroid shot. I have to stop what I'm doing, get on the phone, call the insurance company, get a number, call another number, and speak to what they call a peer-to-peer review, which is really just a hoop that they want me to jump through to get me to slow down, uh, so that or I, abandon it, yeah, and or abandon it, and because I'm I'm in a good place in my career, um, I just give my patients steroid shots and I eat the cost of that because it's the right thing to do. Yes. And uh, the insurance companies know that. Yes, uh, and what all they care about is on their bottom line, they don't have to pay for a steroid shot, and they're constantly making decisions. You you and I both know we could go on all day long with these sort of techniques that that the rationers. The people who ration our care implement to try and prevent us from delivering care.
1: So, I guess what I was I was really getting at is about the role of job creators in terms of this effort. And, you know, I think that um, there are. Um, um, Special interests that have really, um, uh, they've taken advantage of, of the third party payer system and are the reason why healthcare is so expensive. And we talked about that at the end of the last segment about how expensive healthcare is, but it really isn't expensive. It's just all of the, all the stuff that has been put between the patient and the care that they've received, that made it expensive. But job creators, I think, are very, very important for two reasons. Number one, um, despite the fact that the government is responsible for 51% of all health care right now, uh, employers actually, employee, employer-sponsored health plans um are very important, even though people on the left want you to think that that 's a terrible thing it 's actually a very good thing, and, and employers want to do the right thing for their employees, just like doctors want to do the right thing for their patients and they want to provide these benefits for their for their um, employees and they provide between 100, 100, between one hundred and fifty and one hundred and eighty million people get their their um, health care through their job the other thing is that with these special interests, you need to have a, an ally that is powerful enough, strong enough to be able to um, to combat those special interests who are um, so influential at um, at uh, at
2: getting into the ear of politicians. Job creators are at the very foundation of this fight. This affects them as as much as anybody. Listen, getting people in the workforce to stay healthy and stay productive is hugely important to employers. And because employers, in large part, like you said, they're footing a lot of the bill, we need to bring those costs down. That's going to help businesses be successful. It's going to help people be successful. And what we need to do is um, – Undercut this unholy alliance where, where big medicine is profiting off of uh, patients uh, and preventing them from getting the health care that they deserve. You and I both know that the system that we had before government penetration uh, that, like we have today did a very good job at taking care of 85% of the people out there. People got the health care that they wanted and needed. And there was a relatively small portion Uh, of people that had difficulty with access to health care. And that problem was largely caused by the intervention of government that we had at that time. If we could simply get government out of the way... And and really that's a lot of what our plan is is to really just free up entrepreneurial type doctors uh, and providers to go out there and figure it out how do we take care of people and the most compassionate person you can find in this entire system is the doctor who is sitting across from their patient they will move mountains to try and take care of that person no question about it so so really um the the
1: things that make healthcare so expensive are Number one, all of the special interests in healthcare that have um, found ways to suck money out of this 3.2 trillion dollar annual economy. The so if you could get that out of the way, and and that would be um, that would be insurance companies who are charging people um, for. Care that they don't need, hair transplants, um, uh, abortive services, um, all kinds of... Transgender operations. Transgender transgender
2: operations. Birth control for people who are well past the age of needing it.
1: Right. And so that's a huge cost. The hospitals, the hospitals are charging five to ten times as much as you can get those services for outside of a hospital. And then all of the middlemen who are who are, who provide a service, but who are um, raping the system, like pharmacy benefit management companies, which manage the the formularies, the 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 drug plans
2: that the it, menu of drugs that we get to select from. Yes, that's the only. They pay f- money to get onto that list, and once on that list, they then charge an extraordinary amount for the medicine. Right. They they basically have an upcharge that. Th-
1: Goes entirely into their pockets, and then patients don't understand why it is that they're paying two hundred dollars for for a, a a drug that is covered by their insurance companies because the PBM is inserting themselves in there and and uh, upcharging or marking up that that drug.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons that, you know, you and I have been in this fight for a long time, but I think more and more physicians are starting to to raise their voices and sound the alarm because the corruption really has just gotten so in our face. It's just so ridiculous and so over the top. And it's gotten to a point now where regular average people don't have the resource to, resources to be able to get their own health care. Something's got to change.
1: So, So the answer is to get the special interests out of medicine to reconnect people with the cost of of their care, to um, deregulate health care, not make it more expensive to give health care on the part of doctors, but less expensive so that we can pass that along to our patients. And and that's been done already in um, where, where it has not been um, outlawed in, in certain parts of this country. And believe, believe it or not, and you know this as well as I do, but for the audience, there are people who are trying to work around this system, and there are roadblocks that are put in place that in some, in some cases criminalizes them, like, for example, giving charity care.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's there's corruption really at every stage. One of the things uh, in Georgia that's that's uh, it's in other states as well as these certificate of need laws. You know, you get uh, an MRI. Explain first. Explain what that is. So, certificate of need. In order for me to purchase an MRI, I have to obtain a certificate of need, uh, which is a government document that says we allow you to purchase an MRI. The problem is the other entities are able to object to that certificate so, of so, need so so
1: facilities that are currently operating in that in that geographic area can challenge your certificate of need application
2: correct so for example a hospital system doesn't want a competitor to the mri that they have so they're going to block my certificate of need or
1: a surgery center or that a you want to put up with a few specialists in exactly
2: there. well now with the uh, with the uh, you know, the the progress that's been made, I've, I'm now able to buy an MRI. And in fact, Barber Orthopedics has more MRI facilities than entire provinces in Canada. And the hospitals create these uh, CON laws so that they can charge $3,500 for an MRI when you can get it at a fraction of that price at Barber Orthopedics. And this is by design. So part of the healthcare reform is going to involve repealing certain legislation and enacting other legislation but at the end of the day what you want to do is empower patients and their doctors to make their own health care decisions. So one of the
1: great ways of doing this is to give everybody their own doctor and letting people um, uh, connect with a regular doctor and it doesn't have to be expensive to do that and one of the um, great um, projects that I have been fortunate to be involved with in the over the last 10 years is this direct primary care movement, which is truly the foundation, I think, for fixing this broken system, giving people the opportunity to get a doctor who is outside of insurance, not bound to the insurance rules and regulations, and not beholden to government regulations because they don't accept Medicare or Medicaid. They are basically contracting with individuals and making a subscription arrangement, just like if you join Costco. And for a monthly fee, you can have every um, service that that patient or that doctor can offer in their office for less than a cup of Starbucks coffee a day.
2: Yeah, and the beautiful part of that is, uh, as doctors start to practice and in that in that environment, you almost—it's a breath of fresh air. You know, you start to realize what you've been missing because. It's very liberating to have a doctor's only concern be the well-being of that patient. And when a patient comes in under that model, the patients are incredibly satisfied because they get top-shelf service from a quality doctor that addresses their needs at a cost they can afford, and the patient leaves happy, and the doctor leaves happy. And, and it doesn't stop there, Scott, because
1: those doctors are able to um, negotiate um, uh, 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 steep discounts with facilities in their community so that they can get an MRI scan for, th- for $600 instead of $3,500 at the hospital or a-, a blood count for $2.50 instead of $50 at the hospital. And they can also arrange for um, visits with specialists who are um, are thinking the same way, who are trying to um, create a a a, a a a a personal financial arrangement with their patient and give them uh, services for a fraction of what it would be if they were going through the insurance model.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's a it, it's a system where the doctor is an advocate for the patient. That's always what they were supposed to be. And this model, this this, uh, personalized healthcare network that we've been working on and developing, it it restores the doctor-patient relationships and gives doctors the opportunity to fight for their patients. And honestly, that's the fundamental reason I went into medicine. I wanted to help people. I don't want to have to uh, obey any bureaucrats that are trying to tell me how to do what I've basically spent my life learning how to do. And we'll be talking
1: about why this is not possible and why in, a, in, in any of the plans that the Democrats are trying to push um, on the American public and why we are really right now at a crossroads in terms of, of health care in this country. So you've got to stay with us.
4: Thank you.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: And we're back in the final segment of the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal. I just want to remind everybody about the upcoming Direct Primary Care Conference in Orlando on November 15th and 16th. This is a conference. for those of you who are in healthcare listening to this show that you do not want to miss. It's uh, gotten bigger and better every year. Um, 400 doctors who actually are excited about medicine instead of what you may have Unfortunately, encountered in your experience a doctor who is tired and beaten down and, uh, and doesn't seem to want to be there. So I encourage you to uh, uh, check that out on the website, and uh, there's still some spots available. So please uh, look at that at www. The number four PC org and sign up today. So, we've been um, talking about personalized health care, uh, health care for you, the things that people have um, uh, made clear is important to them when they're actually surveyed and not things that politicians are trying to tell them is important, but things that people actually want. They want their own doctor. They want to be able to decide where their health care is going to be, what kind of health care, and how they're going to pay for it. And one of the ways that they that uh, they can pay for it is by opening up their wallet or their checkbook. But there are other ways that you can pay for health care that I think are very important and exciting that... Um, President Trump has actually um, recognized and tried to pave the way in an executive order, which is things that we've talked about on this show, health savings accounts or health uh, or um, health reimbursement accounts by um, businesses to their employees so that they can use dollars um, in a tax uh, a tax-free or tax-deferred uh, vehicle to pay for health care.
2: Right, and this is uh, a very important uh, modification of our healthcare care system because what it does is creates a scenario where patients become consumers of healthcare, care looking for the best quality uh, at the best price, and it improves transparency because patients are actually using real dollars, uh, and so it, it encourages them to to go and seek out the best possible care at the lowest price and it also forces the person or the entity that's delivering that care to be more transparent with their costs uh, and i think what people are seeing here is shockingly like you said is healthcare doesn't have to be nearly as expensive as it is as we said big medicine is uh, making tremendous profits off of healthcare, care, and people should understand that they are not going to allow their stranglehold on this system to go easily. And so we're going to need patients and people and citizens to become involved, let their legislators know that they want this choice, that they want to uh, pay for only the health care that they use, uh, and that they want to be able to have control of their health care between them and their doctor and get bureaucrats out of the room.
1: So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more provocative than you, believe it or not. The, people are being lied to yes. by by, um, by people in the Democratic Party when they're told that there are only two choices, the status quo, which they're blaming now on President Trump, which is absolutely Ridiculous. a lie. He's been, he's been actually the best president for health care in my lifetime because he's the first one who's actually trying to deregulate what what um, has been uh, going in the wrong direction. And people are being cheated. They are being cheated by the special interests. When they go to the hospital, they're being cheated. When they are getting a broker, when a business is getting a broker who is trying to tell them what their health care plan is, what they, what they're doing to work for them to get them the best deal possible. They're being cheated, and I'm not saying all brokers are doing this or all hospitals are doing this, but this is a big problem because brokers are being paid by the insurance companies to to um, get a business to sign up with them. So what I'm saying is that that people are being lied to. They're being cheated. And there are alternatives. There are better ways of doing it. And if people don't speak up and they get involved right now and start paying attention because the clock is ticking, we are in October, a year before an election where the consequences are dire. It's going to be
2: one or the other. And I'm going to let you go on now, Scott. Yeah, listen, you want to talk about a lie? Medicare for all is a lie, okay? Medicare as we have it right now uh, takes care of patients that are 65 and older. And it has tremendous premiums and deductibles and holes in its care. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It doesn't cover everything. And so if our current system that takes care of a fraction of the population has massive premiums and deductibles, how are you able to make the claim that you're going to provide this service to everybody at no cost? It's utterly ridiculous. We know that Medicare as it stands now is already broke. Um, it's, it's got trillions and trillions of dollars of unfunded uh, liabilities. How much, how much is Medicare for all going to cost us? Um, well, they lie, and they say it's going to be $32 trillion. That's over, ridiculous. O- over, over 10, 10 years. years. And that, listen, every prediction that they've ever made about the cost of government health care has been ridiculously low. And we know that $32 trillion is undoable, and we know it's a, a lie that it's too low. It'll be more than Who that. Who came up with this
1: plan? Bernie,
2: Bernie Sanders, yeah, the Medicare for All. I mean, and 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 they tried
1: to put a plan similar to this in, into action in his own state of Vermont, and they couldn't do it because no, it cost too much. That's
2: right. And and Vermont, you know, has uh, just a few people. Uh, compared to the entire nation uh, with relatively healthy population too in vermont and it was ineffective listen anytime we look at the facts this idea of a government-run healthcare model is an absolute failure uh, it's a fraud it can't happen uh, we've let it go over the decades you know the health care we were able to get was good enough but that's about to be over people really don't understand just how devastated the medical community has been with the um, people not going into medicine we're not we're not raising doctors anymore uh, when I look at the young people that are coming out of their medical training they don't spend time in the operating room and taking care of patients they're spending time learning how to code and how to bill properly I mean or about climate change yeah or we, about, uh, we heard
1: we heard this from from the from the op-ed from the uh, former dean of uh, the University of Pennsylvania.
2: Yeah, you know, and uh, an understanding of the climate hoax uh, really doesn't help you when you're in the operating room in the middle of the night trying to solve a problem. No, or asking people
1: when they come in about guns in their house.
2: Yeah, exactly. They're really the, these administrators, these bureaucrats, are getting us to focus on the wrong things and not focus on health. What's your pronoun? You know what I go by he she
1: <laughs> these are the things these are the absurdities that we are dealing with in the medical world today when we should be talking about cures for pancreatic cancer or for new um, prosthetics to to you know help people who have um, cervical injuries walk again instead of this nonsense that the government, is trying to it, it, the the bureaucracy that they have created and the, the the um the direction that they want to push doctors
2: in soon there'll be no doctors and then what are you going to do yeah you know and listen the, the government is always trying to replace doctors with other types of providers and listen i have lots of pas and nurse practitioners in my practice and they're wonderful people they're amazing but you know what they're not they're not doctors. No. There are certain limitations that these people have, and to simply put somebody in a white coat and stick them in front of you without the medical training is going to lead to problems. And people have to understand: if we have one more cycle that takes us away from the doctor-patient relationship, it's going to be lost for for a generation. And you know what? You know, we're gonna,
1: we're close toward toward the end. But you know what really just just absolutely astounds me, Scott. It's that the people. Who we heard on the stage of the Democratic debate, all saying, government- run healthcare care, Medicare for all, yada, yada, yada. You know do they do they not connect the dots and follow this through? because you know elites always think that they're going to be exempt from whatever they're trying to shove down the throats of everybody else in society. But if this happens and they make it illegal, for people like you or I to have private practices, cash practices, do things outside of this system, where are they going to go? Do you think that they're going to be happy about waiting in in the uh, waiting room at uh, a Grady Memorial Hospital or Cook County Hospital or wherever, waiting for us to say, okay, number uh, Bernie Bernie
2: Sanders, number thirty two, you're you're up next. Yeah, you know, this is not going to happen and they haven't thought through this problem. You know, when you're lying, they're lying to us. And listen, let's look at what happened with the tax cuts. I mean, it was a wonderful thing that happened with the tax cuts and, and it was relatively modest. And you're looking at the greatest economy. In our history, based on these modest tax cuts and decreasing regulation, the same thing is true of, of medicine. People like you, people like me, were figuring out a way to deliver quality, affordable despite, healthcare this. despite all the roadblocks that are put in place. But. That's because we've had a long time in this marketplace and ability to fight. The new guys coming up and new girls coming up, they don't have this opportunity. We have to give them the ability to get in the arena and work on solving health care. So imagine how good it can
1: be if we can get government and special interests out of the way. And actually, what you're saying is something I really hadn't even considered, Scott, which is that we're at a critical Point in the history of this country and medicine because if we don't do this and w- the, those of us who know how to do things better aren't able to get this next generation of doctors up to speed to be able to deliver that care, it is never going to be the same for people in this country going forward, which which actually should be a terrifying thought for everybody.
2: Yeah, and I always tell people how the reason I'm sitting here talking to you today it's it's a little bit about my practice and what I do, and I want to take care of people. But the reality is, I'm worried for my kids. I got a 13 year old daughter and an 11 year old daughter, and I am scared to death about where are they going to get their health care. Me
1: too, and that's why I got into this fight at the be- at the beginning, you know, over a decade ago because. People who were seeing what was going on challenged us, and they said, "Where are the doctors? Why aren't they speaking up?" And and that's that's uh, something that uh, you know I took to heart. So Scott, we are wrapping this up. Any any last parting words?
2: Listen, we're going to be out there. There's an, an army of physicians uh, and job creators that are going to be out there over this next year uh, explaining health care. Patients need to get themselves informed. They need to let their legislators know, personalized healthcare network, their money, their choice. And
1: you need to go to healthcareforyou.com, healthcareforyou.com, and there'll be things that are posted there and I'll I'll be plugging this throughout the year but that's where you need to go. Scott, it's been great having you here and I hope we can get you back
2: here soon. Anytime, house, great time. You're listening to America's
0: Web Radio
2: on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening.